Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. We just celebrated the second best holiday of the year, Mother's Day. Can we get a... No? No, no I'm joking. I'm joking. It's the first best. Father's Day is second. Can we give all the moms a big hand? Happy Mother's Day. None of us literally wouldn't be here. Literally wouldn't be here without all the moms. So we appreciate you. We love you. And uh, shout out to my mom. Hi, mom. Awesome. Well, let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for for what you're doing here. Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak through me, to guide me, to take me where you need it to go, to bring the word and have it flow out of my mouth and to change and shift belief systems and help us to just walk through what you need us to know. Also, Lord God, we just pray for this beautiful nation of Canada. Lord God, we just pray for every leader in this nation, municipal, provincial, or federal, Lord, that if we have leaders that are not for you, Lord, we command them to be taken out in Jesus' name, Lord God. We just thank you for leaders after your own heart, leaders that are for truth, leaders that are for strength and are for a nation after you, Lord God. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you in advance for all the things to come in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Awesome. A couple weeks back, I preached a message about the armor of God, and I think it was here. Sometimes it blurs, yeah? Thank you. Um, Sometimes it blurs, but I was talking about the armor of God, and and I often find that I discredit the armor of God because it's just, I I don't know why, but maybe it's because it was like a a Sunday school type feeling verse that I would kind of go, put on the armor of God, okay, like for what? Why do I need armor? Am I going to war? What's going on? Like, and so I would just superficially look at this verse, but God kind of just kept pushing me back to it over and over and over again. And Tamara and I were on a, <clears throat> out for dinner, and one of these things, like sometimes a verse or clarity or something, a passage will just come to my head, and we just started talking through it. And so I just pulled up my phone and just started writing it down. And one of the things Holy Spirit began to show me through Scripture was that, and, and I have to articulate this very carefully, and so I made a joke last time not to let people leave. And obviously don't stop someone if they're leaving. But don't leave right now while I say this. Because if you clip this, it's biblically incorrect. If you clip it. Um, most of us, when it comes to the armor of God, we only have the sword of the spirit. But if you're thinking, you go, but only the sword of the spirit? Only the word of God? The word of God is alive. It's, it's, the, it's God in the word. The word was God. The word is God. What are you talking about? But the thing is, is when you walk through Ephesians 6, it's explaining the importance of every aspect of salvation, righteousness, the the, the sandals of peace, and that you you need to understand why each piece is the way it is and why it's on the feet and why are the sandals of peace on the feet because the sandals of peace will lead you through your life and allow you to keep going forward even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You walk, you don't run, you don't sprint, you don't avoid the, shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. You walk with the sandals of peace. And so these, these pieces are so important. And it even says in Ephesians 6, I think depending on what version you have, but it literally says these words are more than just words. Salvation is more than a word. And so most of us, I made a joke about how most of us are just streaking through life wearing only the sword of the spirit. And we're naked. 
And as much as some might appreciate that, we don't like that. That's not good. And so you are to go through life fully armed, which means with the sword of the spirit, which is an offensive weapon, you are to unpack what righteousness means. It is to become much more than a word to you. It is to, so with this offensive weapon, you need to find what righteousness means. Find what salvation means. Why is salvation the helmet? And why is it covering the organ that, that helps the body function? The mind, which directs every, every, every aspect of your body. All of these phrases of salvation are so much more than words that we have to unpack them so that they can be, begin to benefit you. And so... As I was walking this through, I'm going to be jumping into um, Ephesians 6, 14 is where I'm going to start reading from today's verse. And so I'm reading from the Amplified. If you've got your Bibles, how many people got their Bibles? I forgot my Bible today. So I have my electronic version right in front of me. I'm glad you guys are bringing your Bibles though. If you're flipping to Ephesians 6, verse 14, and this is the Amplified, sorry, verse 13, Amplified. Do we have it? Excellent. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully. This is how I read it to myself. Successfully. These are the words that send out to me. Resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. Not if the evil day of, day of danger comes. And the next, verse, or next part says, and having done everything that the crisis demands. Notice what, where the bar is set. It's set from the crisis. So having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. Verse 14. So stand firm and hold. Hold. I tried to avoid preaching on this this week. I don't know why. I was trying to go other directions and stuff. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. But it just kept coming across my path. I kept bumping into other messages. Sometimes I'll listen to other people's messages and things, and then you'll just take notes and grab things and go. But it just kept coming back to this. And, and, and something that just stood out to me was to stand firm and hold. The enemy wants you to take the lie. I'm not going to go that far yet. The older I get, the more unimpressed I am with the famous. How many people here have watched the Kardashians? Come on. Never been so excited to throw your hand up, have you? <laughs> just joking. I've never seen one episode, okay? No, I'm just kidding. I have, whatever. It's just like a car accident. You can't look away. Um, why was I talking about uh, famous? The older I get, the more the famous just becomes repulsive to me. I start to look at it and watch it and, 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 and you see it and you get it because you're going, wow, like it's everything about it's amazing. Money and fame and movies and how they, everything about it. You're just going, oh, it's awesome. But the thing that needs to get more credit in our culture is the faithful, the people who hold the line, the, the grandmas and grandpas who are faithful in church, who are raising generations and coaching and correcting and standing when it's hard to stand and holding when it's hard to hold. And the moms and the fathers who get up and drag their children to church, because I was one of those. Man, I gave my mom and dad a hard time growing up. Hated church growing up. And I'm so glad that my mom withstood and didn't didn't cave to my resistance because, man, I resisted. Like, I resisted so hard. I just, oh, I, I, I don't know. I just owe my mom. Thank you, mom. Um, but the thing is, is there's nothing in our culture that praises the faithful, 
the people who are putting in the work when there is no praise, the people who are, the moms who are driving their, their kids to school and the kids just give them <laughs> filter. Um, the kids just give them a sweet praise. Yeah. <laughs> the kids give them praise, but it's just the hardest. Like sometimes it's just, sometimes those things are just so hard, but that's the very foundation that's building the family. And, and, and the mom and the dad are sacrificing and going to work. And even though they would rather stay home, but they're still putting in the work. So they have the money to feed the kids, to pay for the education and pay the future. And they're being faithful with what they've been given. And there's so little praise that goes into that. And, and, and not even just that, the faithful like when I think about the people who were faithful with their call, when they maybe had a temptation to take another job, to maybe some of the teachers that changed my life, they probably could have gone and made money elsewhere bigger, could have probably ran businesses better, but they didn't. They affected me. They were faithful, realizing this was a part of their call and they changed my life because of their faithfulness. And, and to you, I'm saying this to you, and I think this is why Holy Spirit put this on my heart, is to say that you stay faithful, yeah. hold Hold the line. To someone here who is feeling like quitting right now, I'm here to tell you, hold. Hold the line. And it ain't me talking. I'm talking Holy Spirit is pushing this so hard on me that I just kept trying to avoid it. And eventually I was like, okay, I'm preaching it. We're going to preach this message. But the thing is, is I also feel like I need to say in the same sentence, someone might like, ah, I'm so hesitant to go here because I don't have time to unpack it. But the thing is, is, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to marriage, there's, there's certain boundaries that you need to know and those come from the word of God. So I wanna say, hold and, and be faithful in the marriage, of course, but within the bounds of the word of God. If it is toxic and abusive and demeaning and, and, and like that is outside, the word should be your guide on how to hold and where to hold and how to walk it out and how to be wise and how to be protective and how to figure out where your future is and the will of God and walk through those seasons of your life. That is where the word comes in there. And so some people will take what I say out of context and I'm sorry that you heard what you wanted to hear, but that's not what I said. But the thing is, is you are to hold and, and God has incredible things on the other side of your your hesitancy to change it right now, to back out, to quit, to maybe pull the plug on what it is you're trying to do. And you know, I, I came across this photo and I couldn't help but preach about this photo. Can you go ahead and show it? This here is a house that stood, stood an incredible storm, Hurricane Ike in 2008. This was a community in 2008 of, a, of 200 homes. And after Hurricane Ike came, there was 199 of them were gone and only one standing. And, and unfortunately, this, this is like, if I'm going to be brutally honest with you, this is how I feel is the picture of most Christians' lives. Not the house, everything else. That if you're lucky, you find someone who's faithful, who stood the test of time, who did the prep, who put in the work, who worked hard, who rooted themselves in the word of God and transformed their belief systems and stood the test of time. Because there comes a day where Jesus is coming. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, Jesus literally will split the sky and Jesus will come for his bride, the church. And he will ask, were you faithful with what I gave you, Jeremy? And I hope and want to and will do everything I can to answer and say, yes, I was. I was faithful with my children. I was faithful with my call. I was faithful with my job. I was faithful with so on and so on and so on. And, and there's an incredible responsibility that comes with that. And the enemy wants to tempt you to change. The enemy wants to tempt you to quit. But if you quit, 
you will never get to a place where you can, you can see the harvest on the other side. Because the temptation is to always change, always quit, always try this, because you're trying to solve it your own way. And you miss out on the fruitfulness of faithfulness. Because when you're faithful and you stand the test of time and all of a sudden a hurricane comes and you are standing, you all of a sudden get this new identity also from that going, the greatest hurricane that's ever touched the coast just came on and I'm still standing. And now you know, go, what? nothing can touch me. Not because of your own strength, because of God's strength. And when, you, when these people were interviewed and the one thing that they said was that they'd always dreamed about living here and they always wanted to live on the coast because my logical mind goes, <laughs> move away. What are you doing? Like, why are you next to Hurricane Valley or whatever you call it? But, but the thing is, is, again, another lie of the enemy is, well, just move away from the storm. Always run away from the storm. But the thing is, is I don't know about you, Wherever you go, there you are. And there's a storm everywhere you go. Life's got stuff. And the the lie is that if you just keep shucking and jiving, that you're going to somehow avoid the storms. I've learned that when I'm faithful and I'm rooted in the Word of God, I have what it takes to walk through the storm. I can handle it and I can walk through it with this graceful ease, God's ability, God's grace on my life. And so when they interviewed this couple, they just essentially said, We always wanted to live here and we knew there was hurricanes and so we called a master architect and we just fortified our home and we got hurricane fortification for our place. And they went, really? Did that cost you a lot? Oh yeah, it's a lot cheaper than buying a new place. And they just continued to be like, yeah, we knew it was coming. Like we didn't stay for the storm. We we left and came back, but... And that's, that's exactly it, is they just prepare for it. They, they understood what was happening, and they understood that if they could just hold the line, that they could have their dream to live on the coast. And, and one thing I find is, is like, I follow, this, I, have the, I follow this YouTube channel, and they have this sailing, oh, it is such a dream. Like, when I watch these guys, they always get posted on Monday morning, which is the worst, because it's Monday. And so you're sometimes just, just reading emails, getting through things, trying to get the day going. And all of a sudden, I get this notification that they posted. And so I click on it, which is the first mistake. But they live what, in my opinion, is like just the dream life. And they, they have this sailboat, and they, they turquoise water as far as you can see. And they fish for their lunch and dinner, and they eat on beaches. And they just, it's just amazing. Like, and so when you're watching it, you're going, if I could just, Lord God, please make a way. Give me 14 days of this, and that's all I'm asking for. And so when I watch this, you just go, that is just so incredible. But then all of a sudden, last week they posted a video and I thought it was just clickbait and I did click on it, but it said, it essentially said, we're done, we're quitting. And I went, what? So I click on it and you go to watch it and sure enough, they're discussing whether they're gonna continue this channel and it's very successful and it's a huge revenue stream for them, but it's still not worth it to them. And so they're thinking about quitting because of the burden men- mentally of what the channel is and how it consumes their very life. And, and they're not able to even enjoy the very ocean that they're on and that their family and this. And I'm going, call me, I'll video for you and I'll upload for you and you enjoy your life and we'll live on the ocean together. Like that's my, like, I was like, what? But then all of a sudden I just realized I'm going, it doesn't matter where you go. If you are not rooted in the word of God and it is not your foundation and you're not fortified for whatever comes your way, when the storm comes, you will look like all of what's around it. That, will, that, that is what life will do to you. So it doesn't matter if you're on turquoise oceans and sailing around the planet of what would be considered ultimate happiness to anyone, almost anyone, where it's just this beautiful picture where you realize it isn't about where you go. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> how am I going to relate this to my message? <laughs> 
<laughs> you'll, you'll get there, right? Let's just sit in this silence. No, okay. Um, he posted the other day, too, about his, his battle with depression and, and, and um, what's it called? Just mental disorders and had, trying to battle it and, and trying his best. And I'm not trying to minimize it, but if I had his body, I'd be just, I'd be stoked. Like, that just, that'd be enough. But never mind his body, his movies and his money and his travel and his cars and his persona. Like, he's the, the rock. Like, but, and so as I'm... I'm and I'm kind of being playful here, but at the same time, too, I'm going, this is wild. This is wild. You have what is the dream for most of us. If you gave each of us one ten thousandth of their life, we'd be like, woo, let's go. We'd be stoked. But again, it ain't about the things. It doesn't matter how many cars you get or how much money you get. Wherever you go, there you are. And if you don't sort you out through the word of God and have a foundation rooted in him, it, it doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. And, and one thing that I've started to realize is that when, when there's certain people, like there's certain aspects of my faith where I am this house. And there's certain aspects of my faith where I'm one of the others. And the thing is, is, is we need to understand too, and, and this is something that I feel like there's not enough language brought to this part of it, is that there's phases of your faith. There's phases of infancy, adolescence, and adulthood. And, and I find that if you rush the infant stage of your faith, it's da- very dangerous, extremely dangerous. Oh, whatever. I have tape on my ear, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so if you rush the infant stage of your life, just the same way as they say with your little baby as you're raising them, they say, don't, don't push them too hard, don't stand them up too much, because if you do, you'll actually hurt their bones and legs, and you won't actually see the effects of it until 10, 15 years down the road. If you rush that phase of infancy and you put too much on them, more than they can handle now in this infant stage, you will hurt them down the road, and you won't even know when. You won't even have a clue until down the road. And, and I see that all too often with Christians. If you are in the infant stage, there is no shame in that. But don't look at somebody who's in the adult phase and go, oh, how can they withstand the greatest hurricane that's ever hit the, hit the coast? Well, let me tell you how. They rooted themselves in God's word. They stayed faithful. They planted daily. They reaped the harvest year after year. They continually got the ability and skill set and understanding and knowledge and identity shaped through the word of God. They studied Jesus and they asked Holy Spirit to lead them and they did it daily and they were obedient and so on and so on I could go for you. And so if you're in the infant stage, don't put too much on your legs. Don't put too much weight on yourself because you will hurt yourself. And in 1 John 2, I tried to get here last message, so I'm going to try and do it now. 1 John 2, Verse 13 and 14, if you're going to flip there, go ahead and flip there. We'll talk about it in a second. He alludes to these three stages. He alludes to these stages where he talks about the infant stage. And, and when you think about infant, we have to protect them. We have to guard them. They can't protect themselves. They can't eat for themselves. We have to um, put them in home, put them in the bed, lay them down, wake them up, take them out, change their bum, feed them food. There's an infant stage. And that person okay? Yeah, we're good. There's this infant stage where we have to protect them at all costs. And so don't make the mistake and don't take the bait of realizing that I want to be there. That's, that's valiant. But you've got to build on the foundation of the God's word daily. You've got to take the word and begin to digest it and wrestle with it and work with it. Come to church, get plugged in, meet people, figure out the word. But don't take on too much. And, and, and the one major advice, and we'll get here on the verse is 
If you are in that infant stage and you just gave your life to Christ and, and this all seems like a lot, but you're also excited and whatever it might be to you, what you need to do is you need to focus on the love of God. And you just need to focus on that. And you need to figure out who God is and why did he send his son, Jesus? What was he doing? Why did he send his son? I used to think that that was such a sick, weird thing. <clears throat> I'm going to save you, but I won't send myself. I'll send my son. What? Like, what kind of, what, imagine if we saw a superhero movie like that. You'd be like, it's a weird superhero. Why is he sending his son? <laughs> weird. But the thing is, you start to realize so quickly that as a, as a parent, you're going, there's nothing in the planet. If I had to save every human on earth, I still wouldn't give my child. I'd give myself for just about any stranger if I felt like I could save them. If I knew I could save them, I'd risk my life and jump in front of that bus and push someone. Do you see the difference? One is if the whole world's on the line, I ain't giving my kids. Nope. If someone's in front of a bus and I feel like I could risk it and maybe pull it off, I would jump in front and try and pull that off. Do you, do you see the difference? Is One is the greatest sacrifice that you can't even comprehend. And if you're not a parent, you just won't understand what I'm talking about. But if you are, man, do you know? Do you know that you know that you know? It is the greatest thing that you've ever had, even though they wrecked so many things in the beginning. <laughs> oh, but it's so great, right? It is, I promise you. Have kids, babies, it's good. Um, but the thing is, is, is when you start to realize that that God gave his only son for you to pay the price for all your sins in the past, present, and future, just stop and meditate on that and just sit in the love for why did he pay the price for all your sins? Why would he do this? He did it because he originally created each of us to be in relationship and fellowship with each and every one of you. And you were made for today so that he could fellowship with you. You're not a mistake. He knew you'd be here. He hoped you would listen to him. But even if you didn't, he still paid the price for you. He still died for you. And that's a love that you can't comprehend because I ain't given my life for someone who I know is going to reject me. But he still did. It's just... an unbelievable comprehension of love that is so hard to fathom. So if you're in that infant stage, focus on that love. And I got a list here. I want to quickly read. I don't know if I'm going to read it all. It's a lot. But this is the God who we serve. And I'm going to jump around from a bunch of them. But in Genesis, God, he is the breath of life. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he is the high priest. Numbers, he is the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he is Israel's God. Joshua, he is the salvation choice. Judges, he is Israel's guard. Ruth, he is the king, kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, he is the truff, trusted prophet. First and second, third Kings and se, first and second Chronicles, he is sovereign. Ezra, he is the true and faithful scribe. Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls and rebuilder of lives. Esther, he is our courage. Job, he is the timeless redeemer. This continues to go on and on, and maybe we'll post this online. It goes on and on and on, and I'll jump to the end of the Old Testament. Jonah, he is the great missionary. Micah, gosh. He is the promise of peace. Nahum, he is the strength of our shield. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he is, brings revival. Haggai, he restores that which is lost. Zechariah, he is our fountain. Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his hands. And that's just the Old Testament. I missed 30 of them. This is the God who we serve. All of the Old Testament is, is 
pointing and showing you to the Savior of Jesus and who he is for you. It's all an arrow pointing to the sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice, Jesus. When you get to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is our Messiah. Acts, he is the Son of God rising with fire of heaven in his hands. Romans, he is the grace of our God. First and Second Corinthians, he is the power of love. Galatians, he is the freedom from our curse of sin. Ephesians, he is the glorious redeemer. Philippians, he is the servant's heart. Colossians, he is the God of the Trinity. First, Second Thessalonians, he is our caring king. Let's jump to Revelation because for time's sake. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Man. He is the Lamb of God, the Great I Am, God our Savior. This is the God we serve. And you need to, if you're in that infant stage, Go and search all that out. Figure it out. Figure out all the names of God. Find out why he sent his son and meditate on that non-stop. Just focus on the love he has for you. Because we love him because he first loved us. We make the mistake all too often on trying. I, I used to do this. I used to focus on how much do I love God? Like I remember being a kid thinking that, going, I don't know if I love him enough. Do I love God enough? I don't know. Like I remember just going like, I don't know, being vulnerable and talking about that. But that's a mistake, huge mistake. All you need to do is focus on how much he loves you. That's it. And when you do that, when you realize how much someone loves you, the only response that will naturally happen is you will fall so deeply in love with them. And that's the, that's the beginning of the relationship with God. And as you begin to walk that out, and let's jump back to Second John, 1 John 2, 13 to 14, as I said. I'm going double pace here, guys. The caffeine at 924 was good. Second, first John 2, 13 to 14, verse 13, it says, I, and this is John writing to you. And in, in John, there's 40 times that John writes in there saying, abide in God. And, and the word abide can be swapped out with remain in God. And another word for remain, let's just keep going down this train, is to hold. To remain or to hold. And that's one thing I want to say to you is just hold, remain, abide in God. Abide in him. And you just watch and see how this plan unfolds for you because you'll begin to just realize, wow, that was the greatest hurricane that ever hit. It didn't feel that bad. You all of a sudden have this, <laughs> not, life's not so bad, is it? Verse 13, John says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men, adolescents, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. These are the three stages, fathers, adolescents, and children. The fathers, it says that because you knew him from the beginning, they knew their God and there's a maturity to them. The adolescents, because you have overcome the evil one. This is the phase of your life where you start to get some strength, some muscle, some, some ability in your life as a young believer, where you now have the ability to overcome the evil one. If you're in the infant stage, you don't have the ability yet to know the word and know your belief systems. So the, the word of God can just slip away. And which is why we say to guard your heart, guard your mind with all diligence is because a simple social media post that I shared a few weeks back where it says, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. Blah, blah, blah. But if you don't know the word, an infant in the word would look at that and go, amen. Which is why as a pastor, it's my job to literally say, this is a lie. If it's God's will, it'll happen. That means if it's happening, it's God's will. Lie. Huge lie. And as an adult in the word, it's my job to say, infants, <laughs> this is a lie. I don't mean to call you infants. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's our job. And if you are an adult in the word and you know the word and the belief systems are rooted in your heart, you now have a responsibility. 
to pull others up, to coach and correct and do it with love. Do it with acceptance and forgiveness. Don't go saying there, huh, I'm out in the word and I've got things to tell you. Because there's another church down the street that we could show you if you would like to go there. I'm joking. But the thing is, is once you get to this adult stage of your faith, you begin to all of a sudden have a new capacity. It doesn't mean you're just all of a sudden the storm's derouted. And, and that is a part of it. Because you can uproot what the enemy meant for evil on you. Absolutely, the Word of God says that. You can speak life and health and healing. I've seen miracles actually right here where the enemy meant it for harm and we saw miraculous healing. So you absolutely can. But you can also do it with just coaching, loving, correcting, and guiding misbeliefs through your life. So let's read this verse I've been trying to read for 20 minutes. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you know you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. He literally says it again, verse 14. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. That's how important he's trying to get you to get this. There are these stages that you need to realize where you're at. Let's jump to verse 28 of the same chapter. It says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. He's essentially alluding to the fact of what I said before, where he said, just abide, remain, hold in God, so that when you have that conversation with Jesus and he says, have you been faithful with what I've entrusted you with, with the life, with the, the, the century that you live in, with the, the family you have, the job you have, have you been faithful with it? I want to be able to say, yes, I have. Absolutely, I have. I built my church. I funded it. I was volunteering in it. I was a part of it. I loved the word. I trained people. I gave to the poor. I guided. I was led by Holy Spirit everywhere I went. I want to be able to say that. And you're not looking for perfection. You're just looking for a heart that serves the king, a heart that's led by Holy Spirit. And you know, if, if, if you are in that infant stage, or maybe you're, maybe you're not even a believer yet, we, 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 every single week we do a prayer that we call the salvation prayer. As I alluded to at the beginning, the helmet of salvation. It's the first piece of armor that someone, as a believer, you need to get, you need to acquire in order to walk out what God has for you. But you first need to accept him into your heart. You know, Romans 8 says that if you say with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose for you, that your name will be written in the book of life. And it's just, it's that simple. In fact, it's so simple that we stumble on it, simplicity. We, we, we literally go, come on. Like we're so used to earning and working our way to everything because all of our relationships are, you respect me, I respect you. You do this, I do this. And it's always respect, respect. It's always earned our whole life. But this is the one place where God says, I paid the price. I did it all. You don't have to earn a thing except just accept me into your life. So if you've never prayed that prayer and you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to ask every person to bow their heads. If you want to pray that prayer, I'd love to pray it with you. We're not going to make you do anything weird. We're all going to pray out loud with you so no one can hear you. But if you want to pray that prayer, I want to give you that invite. So if you just want to look up and give me a quick wave and we'll pray with you. I'll start over here. Thank you. Awesome. I'll look in the middle section here. Thank you. Look over here too. Right side. Thank you awesome. And if you're joining us on the screen as well, we would love to pray with you as well. It doesn't matter if it's a replay or not. God is there. He hears you. This prayer is powerful and real, and we're all going to pray together. So would you repeat after me? Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Right now, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of everything I've done wrong. All of it. 
From today and on, I'm following you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give them a big hand. Awesome.